Hey everybody, this is Ari in the Air. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you're doing good. Glad you're alive. I know the world seems like it's burning, but that might not be exactly the case. Just want to instill that curiosity back in you. So, today I've got a awesome conversation with my friend Peter Limberg. Peter is a philosopher. He lives in Toronto. He runs this awesome group called the STOA, which is an online campfire where we can cohere at the knife's edge of what's happening right now. And there's a lot in there, and I'll unpack that for you later. But Peter's a writer. He writes these daily journals on a platform called Letter. He's incredibly vulnerable and truthful on that platform, and is a great writer and these things have led him to be the most consumed content on the entire platform. And Peter's journal is essentially the only thing that I read daily. It's like the only daily thing that I actually consume and I really appreciate it. He's he's a boss, he's an inspiration for sure. And um, he's very insightful. So. Today, I'm going to drop you into the conversation. We kind of start off by talking about making philosophy sexy, stealing the culture, which are all fun things that Peter and I are trying to do. So I'm super grateful that I know this guy and that we're friends. We have a really good time talking with each other. And so I'm going to drop you into the conversation here. If you guys think this conversation is something that uh, we should be having in our current state of affairs, which is increasingly difficult to understand, consider donating to support the show. That's paypal.me slash in the air. Really appreciate that. So without further ado, here's a little bit of a tune. I'm going to drop you into the conversation that I had with my friend Peter Lindbergh. Here we go. It's recording already. Yeah, right, right off the bat. Right off right, the bat. I mean, gonna... fuck. I'm a video editor. We can we can edit it out, but you know, I, I trust. Uh, um, yeah, I think you can edit the first part out. Um, 
I got to appear at somewhat of a, a I good guy. S- I saw that you edited that out of my little quote. I see. You, you get a sense, right? Like, I, I care for you. <laughs> I want you to be around a little bit more. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, proper censorship is important. Yeah. You know, I'll own everything I just said. So I'll leave it up to your discretion to do what you will. No, I think that this is a funny little topic to start on because I think that the reality is that I'm not willing to do anything that's not fun. Mm. And if we're not going to make this fun, I'm out. Right? Mm. Like, if it's not going to be, if virtue is not going to be fun, I'm fucking out. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the strong attractors that I have. My affinity for Limburg is this fucking coinage game. (laughs) It's so fun and it's so the game I want to play. It's so the game I want to play. And there's, um, yeah, just to check in here as I start, I'm like, I'm like nervous in like the best way, like not nervous of like self-consciousness, like nervous of like, Oh God, this might like explode like the best kind of bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let, let me let me jump in and report my thing too. So like, there's two things. Uh, one is that I wasn't nervous in the like anxiety sort of way, uh, but more so like there's so much thumos that I feel in you, and the thumos gets activated in me, um, and then it's like it's kind of dangerous. <laughs> and I just want to I just want to do it out with you too, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to like talk crudely mm-hmm. and not be, not be shy about it. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, you know, you, if anybody reads our, our like text exchange, we're probably going to jail right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just said, like, want to like indulge in that. But at the same time, now that I know it's recording, um, <laughs> and it's, it, no, it's, it's, but it's like what you said too, like there's, a, there's, there's a sensitivity to fun, right? It mm-hmm. might be fun for us, but it mm-hmm. might be the opposite of fun for other people listening to, uh, just two dudes, uh, talk that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a sensitivity to like, I want to, I want to, especially in broadcast mode, I want to try to uh, sort of be not just appear, but be in a way that's like invites everyone to be, have fun. Mm-hmm. Me too. I agree. There's an inclusion in that, that I think is really beautiful. And there's like the, the nervousness that I refer to. And I actually sat down early today just so I could, my, like the sentiment that I feel is that my preferred delivery system of the inspiration that I've been getting from the Stoa and from your journals is likely snorting or maybe even intravenous. (laughs) And so I like tried to sit down today so that I could like, maybe like, maybe we could slow it down to like a whiskey sip, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I love whiskey. I love whiskey. Yeah. I need so, to slow down too. So that's why I grabbed a beer. I just need yeah. to like, I need a drink, man. The mm. Thumos might just explode. Thumos. Tell me Thumos. What is Thumos? Thumos is the, um, it's a, it's like spiritness. It's like a mm. Greek word for, uh, right. a desire for recognition, domination, you know, the, the just a conquer. Mm. Right. Mm. Uh, but you know, being right relationship with Thumos is not allowing it to get out of hand and it leading you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got to domesticate it to a bit. This is where mm-hmm. being a good stoic comes in, being a man of reason, of prudence, and mm-hmm. knowing when to unleash thumos and knowing when to contain it. Mm-hmm. Okay, just a couple things. The two things that 
I'm most excited about Limburg. That you're like, cool. Like, <laughs> that you're trying to make it cool. Yeah, yeah. Because this is like the this is at the heart of stealing the culture. Like if you can't make something cool, you're fucking dude. Come on. Everything that is going to take over, it can't just be rational. It can't just be smart. It can't just be logical. It has to be fucking cool, man. It has to be cool. It has to be fun. That's totally that's that's where I come in. And the second thing is the embodiment. This is the this is really at the heart of it. And I want to introduce a new psychotechnology that I've come up with. It's called enthusiasm, Peter. Mm. It's called enthusiasm. And it's like uh, stoke. Stoke as currency is something that I've used for my entire life. I have literally traded my enthusiasm for everything I have. Mm. And so that's what I want to. That's what I want to give to you. That's what I want to give to the Stoa. That's what I want to give to the people listening is like mm. an enthusiasm and also like this perspective that holy shit, like what a time to be alive, like for the burning fireball of humanity spaceship that us meta astronauts get to do spacewalks and look back at and be like, whoa, and mm. hypothetically have a, have an influence like this is an incredible exciting what a what a time to be alive what a position what a position so there's a there's a thing that i notice in you and this could be just observational or like it doesn't necessarily exist but there's a difference in peter who leads at the stoa which being the steward at the stoa i don't know do we call you steward there yeah i'll go with that Stuart. <laughs> Hi, I'm Stuart at the Stoa. Hi there. <laughs> I'm stewarding. <laughs> um, at the Stoa, it's like a different thing than the journals. Like the yeah. journals is like this version of Peter that's like fucking unhinged, and he's like, yeah, he's he's lost his mind, and in the in the best way. And so yeah, there's some yeah. there's definitely some concepts that you've put forward that have really super excited me just like even from a coinage thing even just from the from a coinage thing like the concept of being up for grabs is like yeah god i fucking love that i love that the concept and i'll just iterate my interpretation of being up for grabs as being having a clear enough mind and a nuanced enough perspective that you can look out on the landscape of ideas and have the desire to be seduced by ideas and the good ones, the best ones, the right ones. And further, it's like this, it's like this, this game of Tantra, right? That you actually make love to, but never ejaculate to any idea. You never sign on to any idea wholly like in your identification it's merely just this ongoing perpetual snowball effect of like idea to idea to idea to idea and it almost ties into this uh, thing that you've been talking about this um performative agnostic mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um you're exposing my metagame my friend uh, stop it <laughs> um, have you ever had a uh, have you ever had an orgasm without ejaculating you know on my nightstand is uh, a couple of montauk chia books 
And I'm not totally sure, to be totally honest. I, I, I feel like, yeah, I probably have had something close to that, but I definitely don't think I've had a as powerful of a sensory experience as I have with ejaculation. Mm. I'm not sure if I had it myself, but I strongly think I've had it multiple times. Um, and it's great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's better than the obvious ejaculation. Mm-hmm. Um, when you can kind of contain the ejaculation and still feel the pleasure, if not more so. Um, and that's related to sort of being up for grabs in a way. And I would, yes, almost everything you said, but I would add this piece is you, you mentioned the good ideas, right? You even want to be up for grab for the bad ideas. Um, because being, in my opinion, and I could be wrong about this, mm-hmm. but being maximally seductive is being at the knife's edge of being seduced yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and honestly, I feel like I'm like I'm so horny all the time. And like, uh, it's just like, I feel like I can be seduced at a moment's notice, but then, and then that really encourages me to become even more virtuous um, than what I was pretending I was or what I thought I was, because now it's risky. It's dangerous. I could fuck things up. I can fuck my marriage up. You know, I could, I could, I can fuck uh, my reputation online up. There's so many things that are at risk right now. Mm-hmm. And this is why I think it's so important to have fidelity to the truth and not try to engineer something, not try to engineer your word in order to get some, pursue some goal that you probably don't even own. Um, just be truthful for its own sake and see what emerges. Yeah, I've been guilty of that before, which has come more into my awareness lately as I get more clarity, just in general. Truth for truth's sake, and the really important distinction that I'm finding in just truthfulness. My best friend and I, we had this realization the other day that like, he said, my be truthful about my thoughts muscle is so strong. My be truthful about my feelings muscle is relatively weak. I think that a lot of us find ourselves in this paradigm if we really start paying attention. That what we think is easy to share, what we feel is much harder. Uh, Especially for men and today. Modernist men, metamodern men. Uh, I've been talking with a lot of women who are helping out with the STOA and most of them are obviously intelligent women uh and and they hang out in men's spaces they're all, always sort of like the one or two women hanging out in men's spaces and the the social power that they have in these spaces is crazy because they can hang out with the guys in an intellectual propositional level and they're probably uh, more intelligent than most of them too but they have more social uh, emotional fluency mm-hmm. and so you just see them wrap dudes around their finger in these intellectual mm-hmm. spaces these, these these women um and I do. This is why I start with check-ins all the time with uh, um, at the Stoa session, right? Because I really want to. I want people to fucking feel my words. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, there's these certain intellectuals. It's like every single word sounds, or should I say, not sounds, feels the same. Mm-hmm. This is this, this monotone quality to it. It's like a deadness to it. Fuck that. You know, like, I, I don't want to feel dead. I want to feel alive. 
but at the same time, I don't want to compromise intellectual integrity. I want to, if, if anyone actually reads my journals, I guard my premise very, very carefully. If a maybe needs to be there, a maybe will be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I don't guard my premise carefully, I'm happy to be disabused of the, the proposition that I put forth so, so boldly. Um, but yeah, I think you can have both. And I think that is the sweet spot to have both. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things that I'm taking away from the verbiage that you're putting to this time is like the liminal space and the, I feel myself, like you've almost described it as losing your mind. And I feel like I'm kind of losing my mind too. Like I am beginning to see all of the ways that I thought I was sure in the past. And now it doesn't make me not know anything. It just turns all of my thoughts into exactly that. It just turns my inquiries back into inquiries. It's like, and it's like, it's so good. And my girlfriend is like kind of having some angst in her work and in her Dharma. And yesterday I just invited her to not know anything. And like, she was just so relieved by that. Mm-hmm. It, it just sounds like you're being a good philosopher right now too, right? Because who's the, you know, the, the, the G, the OG of philosophy, Socrates. The only thing he knew is that he knew nothing, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, when you know nothing, you just start asking questions after questions after questions. And if you're truthful with it, you're truthful with your... You, you're, Usually it's feeling like you're going insane, not actually going insane, but you're truthful with that feeling and then you call Mm -hmm. it out and you can process with it, especially if you have loving people around. That's really, really important to have people who, who not only love you, but are happy to call you on your bullshit too. Right. But in a loving way and not in the egoic way, like, haha, you're wrong. I'm right. Type of way. Yes. You don't want to, you don't want to be around people like that. Um, This is it. This is it. The other day I connected with your friend, Daniel. Ooh. Got a metabone just hearing that. Dude, that guy is something, dude. He is something. And honestly, he has so many thoughts. And to be totally honest, I didn't hear many of them because I feel like in my life right now, if someone is willing to hold that kind of presence, I'm not going to waste that. And he, yeah, he has a real, real presence to him. Totally. Totally. And what we talked about is this idea that I have that I want to reinvent manhood, that I want to like put a new facade on philosophy and on virtue. And that's why I think it's like, there's like this two part idea that I keep noodling on. That's like making it cool and embodying it. And that's like a cycle. Mm. The idea of being virtuous is something that I actually heard eight years ago by Stefan Molyneux, which is a drum that he bangs on just over and over and over and over. And I don't see as much conversation like, I guess the mainstream conversation around virtue is based in signaling for as far as I can tell, Yeah, as far as I can tell. 
It is merely giving a very shallow fuck about very specific issues and a very shallow fuck at that. Like it's not a fuck that leads you to take action. It's a fuck that leaves you, leads you to repost a meme or to some kind of call out culture. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually lead you to take a really hard look at your diet, what industries you're putting money towards, what kind of communication you have with your partner, what kind of virtues you're holding your friends to, what kinds of conversations you're having, what kinds of practices you have in your everyday life. And so the thing I was like noodling on with Daniel and going back and forth was like, The idea of friendship, just at large. This reality that you come to to the epiphany that we are only relationally existing. We actually don't exist on our own. And everything in our existence is relationship. That's why I love the being in right relationship to reality. I love this concept. I think that viewing things through the lens of relation is very poignant right now. Mm. I found philosophy like eight, nine years ago. I found a peaceful parenting presentation by Molyneux on YouTube. and. At the time I was, and still am, mired in digesting my own adolescence. And the idea of being able to recognize the moral failings of your parents so that you can grow out of them, so that you can break the chain, so that you can grow up in a more a truer sense of maturation led me to like, think it's really cool to be virtuous. And it's so rare though. It's so rare to be able to like talk about it in those terms, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found myself wanting to encourage my friends to be virtuous. And I recorded a podcast almost two years ago called make your own mark where you would be up for grabs in the landscape of ideas. You would pick the ideas that you want to hold yourself to, and you would verbalize those to the people that you want to be accountable to for those things. That was like almost a, that was like my, my shot at redefining friendship. Like what, how do I want to be held accountable? Who do I want to be? And how can I verbalize that kind of, contract so that it's me in charge of it, not my culture, not my parents, but it's me that's in charge of who I become and what standard I'm held to making your own mark. And then of course it hinges on finding people who are actually capable of interpreting that language as well as observing your behavior through the lens that would 
lead them to guide you in a loving, compassionate, and effective way back towards you being in right relationship. Mm-hmm. And so last weekend, I had this super cathartic, huge acid trip that I, as I started to trip out, I could feel because in front of me, the, the party was my best friend's birthday. And my best friend, Matt, is like the closest brotherhood I think I've ever had in my life. Like I taught him to paraglide and we've built things together and we just like live two blocks from each other. We're constant communication and I can feel like palpably like our connection, like our brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And as I start to trip out, I can feel through ideals essentially i can feel your connection and and to daniel and to these other people right like that that through virtue you are finding other people you're building your tribe through ideal through virtue through honesty and trust and like those are the things that bind me to my friends and so i can feel a distant connection and it's like a very powerful, beautiful realization that we can unify through ideals that it, it shows the power of what we're doing, of communicating these, these conversations like this, it has a deeper power than just sitting here and dooting out. Totally, man. Totally. Um, so much there. So, um, the word virtue, first of all, and you mentioned uh, Molyneux. I don't know much about Molyneux or, or his definition of virtue, even though he lives in the same city as me. Like we both live in a city outside of Toronto, which is interesting. I never met him. Um, and w- with people who use virtue like Molyneux, there's like a felt sense of like a reactionary feel to it. It's antiquated concept. Like was this like, you know, this far right guy, whatever. And and I know AJ Bond and some of my people who are more progressive or social justice leaning, they don't like me when I use that word because they, they just associate it with this reactionary feel. Um, and then there's the sense that you use about virtue signaling, about showing how uh, much of a good person you are. And the social justice activists were doing this, like or people in the woke thing. But I would say every mimetic tribe has their own sense of virtue signaling. Um, the way I view, view virtue is quite boring and it's just very stoic. Um, it's like just... <laughs> The, it's just the, um, there's the cardinal virtues, right? The Stoics and the Christians, they follow the cardinal virtues, you know, prudence, uh, uh, courage, temperance, justice. And actually the latter three, uh, courage, um, temperance, and justice, they all are baked in the first one. Prudence. Prudence is the mother of all virtue. And what is prudence? Practical reason. Uh, like I would, I, like, you know, you can kind of have a stronger claims or, or, or whatnot, but it's, it's being a person who listens to reason, not only your, or your own, but other people, mm. right? You don't allow Thumo to just uh, like, like steamroll you over, or you don't allow the, the multi-headed hydra, the appetites to, to rule you. Most, most, most people in this society, you know, sadly, they're, they're ruled by their appetites. Um, but if you can listen and be in right relationship with prudence, reason, uh, then that's virtuous in a way, right? And there's all these kind of like, um, kind of heuristics that come from that. Uh, like, you know, focus on what's in your control, you know, be truthful, uh, uh, more fat, they love your fate, right? All, all these, these, these kind of um, lived uh, heuristics that, that uh, reasoned and experienced heuristics that form from that. Yeah, so that's I what I mean by, uh, I, I can keep going, but if, if you want to jump in. I, I feel like what you're, the, even just the term heuristic, 
is so helpful here because this is like a foundational education of the landscape of morality that no that children aren't taught as they grow up right like it is authoritarian yes or no binary good or bad punishment or reward that people grow up bouncing off of there's not these heuristics like this is the baby that is thrown out with the bathwater of religion yeah yeah like the cardinal virtues oh my god like that it has to be a heuristic in people's minds. Like you have to be yeah. able to, to at least take your own thoughts and behaviors and measure them up to like some basic heuristic. Totally. And, and when I say reason heuristics, it's like, like the Stoics, the Romans, the Greeks, they were talking about these, these things, focus on what you're in your control. And then modern, you know, um, popular psychology, uh, social psychology, you know, uh, they're talking about this positive psychology. That's what I'm looking for. They're talking about these things. It's, it's exactly the same that the Stoics were talking about, but now they have research behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like a like surprise secret. Mm-hmm. It's, it's out there, and people are earnestly there's 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 great people out there. They're trying to teach this stuff to people. This positive psychology, but mm-hmm. um, in you know in this late in the stages of late capitalism, it's like people want you to be addicted. You know they they want you to be slaves to your appetites because ching that's where the money is. Um, so they, they have no desire for you to be virtuous, but they want you to virtue signal because they can, you know, they can co-op that they can use that to make a buck. Um, that's not real virtue. I just, I just wanted to, I just want to, I, I want to, I want you to go back and delineate who they are. They that don't want you to be virtuous versus they who do genuinely want you to be virtuous. Um, so I think there's people out there that uh, recognize, even though they're probably flawed, like myself, that they recognize that virtue is, is, is great. Um, and you know, it's, it's good to be virtuous. And so whatever lens, whatever tradition, Buddhism, Stoicism, positive psychology, they're, they're teaching these things that at least gesture towards that. And when I meant like people who don't want you to be virtuous, it's, you know, people who want you to buy shit you don't need essentially. And and all the infrastructure and and I don't want to like make it sound like there's good people in marketing departments. They're, everyone's wrestling with their own moral dilemma. We're all complicit in this thing. So I'm not, I don't want to like they, them. I don't want to say that, but I think you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. anything, anyone or anything that wants you to buy shit you don't need, that's not in your best interest. And they don't give a shit because, you know, it, it gets money. But I think that your wife wants you to be virtuous. Even if she didn't have the heuristic of those cardinal virtues, I think that deep down people were like, I feel like the five cardinal virtues say, or you're saying four, the cardinal virtues in general are a ancient heuristic of our intuitions as to what makes us work together the best. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, circle back on uh, brother Daniel. Um, I've known Daniel for, for years now. Um, and, uh, he's a good friend. He's actually the only like, other stoic in the stoa it's like there's only two of us me and him and then everyone else is just you know like whatever they are like that's that's cool um but you know it's like game recognizes game there um and you know we are seduced by virtue in a way for whatever reason and i I wouldn't like pat myself on the back like oh i came to first principles i probably i just stumbled upon it um but i'll tell you a story like a story about brotherhood and, and and loving virtue so i was just uh me and my wife uh are just being radically truthful uh, to each other. We're telling each other secrets that we haven't told, like, you know, like moments, cause I'm being more expressive now with my desire for other women, my, my sexuality. 
and it's and it's uh, a beast, my friend. As you can, as you as you know, game recognizes game. I imagine it's a beast, beast in you as well. Um, and I just being, you know, it's better to be truthful about this and constantly. And I was telling her like, um, so I backpacked across Europe. Uh, I don't know, like five years now uh, ago with like a good buddy of mine. You would love this guy, Christoph Saint Christoph. The guy's a fucking wild man. And it, you kind of remind me of him as well. He, he has the same. You have the same level of thumos as him. If us three got together, like fucking call the cops. Um, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> and, and so like. Um, yeah, so I went backpacking across Europe with Christoph, right? And then we went for a month. And then I was dating Camille. I've been with Camille for, we, have, we weren't married at that point, but we, we've been dating for almost 11 years now. And so we were together at that time. Um, and you know, like what happens in Europe stays in Europe. And so she's always wondering, did you hook up with other women? Right? And um, so just a spoiler alert, no, I didn't, right? But there was like almost every day I could have. Right. And then I just basically told her all the, like the, the, the close calls, there was this like, Oh, this like angelic, like Irish girl. There was this like, the hot ta- Italian girl. There's this like, uh, um, what was it? What was it? Like this uh, German, German girl, Danish. Like, Oh my God. There's like, there's almost moments I could have hooked up, made up, make up, make out, whatever. But I didn't, I stopped myself. And I, but I put myself at sort of the nice edge of cheating. And each of those interactions that I love feeling the sexual energy. I love the flirtatious mm-hmm. energy and I could have done it right. Like I know enough game in that sense to, to make it happen. Um, but I stopped myself each time. And then when I was kind of telling Camille all these close calls and then me not doing it and I'm like, yeah, why did I stop myself? Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was because I love Camille. I do love Camille. So like Camille is my wife. I love her so much. I mm-hmm. deeply love her. And I would never like, I just the thought of her crying or, or mm-hmm. being hurt. I hate that. Right. But was that the reason why I, I was uh, faithful? I'm like, no, that wasn't the reason. The reason why I was faithful, because I love the principle of being faithful. Mm-hmm. I never cheated. I was with my wife for like 12 plus years. I never cheated on her. I never made up with anyone. I never had like sex with any other women, even though I wanted to, but I never did it. Um, and I love the principle of being a faithful man. More, Even if it's the wrong principle, I love that principle. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I wrote that homosocial kind of love letter where it's just like, you know, I, I, I love virtue more than I can love any woman, mm-hmm. which is true. And Daniel's the same way. Right. And it's like, and I imagine you and your buddy have that something like that as well. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing, Peter. I love you so much. <laughs> so glad you're alive so glad you're alive oh man i, I love the sensitive uh, spiritual hype man <laughs> so funny so funny that you coined me that i think it you feels... coined yourself that <laughs> i don't think i coined you that <laughs> hype man for sure um, oh I, I just put the word spiritual to to make yeah. it a little sexier yeah yeah well, I, I, can, I can say this too about like um, making virtue sexy. Uh, and a lot of like these, these people that I previously threw shade at in our last conversation, these LARPing Stoics, right? They would, if I- if LARPing I, if they, Stoics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Foam like, swords, I love this imagery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, so these, these LARPing Stoics who like, they would like, if they heard making virtue sexy, like, oh, we can't do that. You can't do that. Virtue is not sexy. You're, you're, you're uh, bastardizing it or whatever, right? You're, you're being a marketer. Um, no, uh, that's his own virtue signaling right there. You know, saying, 
uh, virtue cannot be sexy. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, it's like, it's like the minimal viable sexiness, if you will, right? You just need just a little bit of interest to bring people in as sort of like as a Trojan horse. And then you show them that you're, you could be sober mm -hmm. as fuck, right? Then mm -hmm. you can, then you show them that you're grounded in actual virtue. Mm -hmm. And I'm not fully grounded and I'm trying, you know, I'm trying publicly. Mm -hmm. um, but there's nothing wrong with having a little sex appeal because we want to have sex. We want to fuck. Let's not lie about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I like what you say, the minimal viable sexiness. And I think that to say that you can't make it sexy is to completely and totally disregard any kind of efficacy that like, that tries to embody a principle. And I guess this is a inquiry for me that I would love to jam with you on is when these heuristics of virtue bring us to certain epiphanies, what is our responsibility to act on them? And this is both with your sexual appetite and the commitments that you have interpersonally, as well as your interaction in the market, your interaction in public. The virtue signaling thing is slow. God, it's so slow. It doesn't change shit. It doesn't change shit. People's political, that's one of my hugest epiphanies in this whole thing was like, huh, food shortage possibility. Oh, your political opinions don't do shit. Fuck you. Your fucking opinions don't do anything. If you are not embodied, you are just dust in the fucking wind, man. You're just yeah. dust in the wind. And yeah. so one of the barometers that I have of this, this um, phenomenon right now is a number of my friends who are mired deeply in conspiracy, but it seems to merely disempower them it just disempowers them. It just takes yeah. all of their fucking power away. And I noticed this in the beginning here when I started just cranking on the podcast. I was like, there's these ideas that I'm very partial to looking into. I think that the government is abhorrent and yada yada. But the thoughts of conspiracy theories took the wind out of my sails. But the conversations with people who are like actually trying to do something were just like fucking set me on fire, set me on fire, Peter. And so it's like, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm one of the particular things about my friends who are conspiracy theorists is they still go to the grocery store and they buy factory farmed beef, which I grew up on an Angus ranch. And so I just like have a little bit of, Inside, And I think that it's very unlikely that anyone has, it, anyone in this day and age hasn't seen some kind of imagery of factory farming. And I just, um, that's just like a particular shtick that I have. And so I'm on one level, I'm curious about your diet, like literally what you eat and what you support with your money that goes into your mouth. And on a broader perspective, what is our responsibility because I like I am so inspired by the story that you just told that you're like 
I love women. I'm desi- I have so much desire for women and I have virtue and I love the fucking virtue more than I love the women. And it's like, do you love the virtue more than you love the steak? Like how far does that go? Where do, you know, it's such a rabbit hole and it's so, it's such a fucking Mandelbrot. You just zoom in and you keep zooming in and you keep zooming in. And there's just new epiphanies to be had and new behaviors to modify. It seems to me. Right. Ken Wilber's, uh, idea of not being spiritually greedy comes to mind or maybe we can swap out the word spiritual with virtuous don't be greedy uh, with virtue or don't try to be too virtuous too quickly Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah like there's a meta crisis happening and there's all these existential risks and there's evil in the world there's a lot of fucked up things environment you know the animal issues the prison situation so much stuff going on there's so much stuff we could be better or more virtuous i'm not that intelligent I'm not that knowledgeable, uh, but I know when people are trying to manipulate me to do things. And sometimes people are trying to manipulate me to do things when it's actually a good thing to do for myself and for the world. Hard to tell a difference when you're not that intelligent and when you're not that knowledgeable. But I'm intelligent enough, or maybe I'm clever enough, maybe that's better, to know that I can't figure all this shit myself and I need to be in a community of people who are striving for virtue. And so we can get into what Verveke calls dialogos so we can figure out the nitty gritty of this stuff together. And it's like, put the spiritual oxygen mask on, right? Like, okay, first I gotta have like a a minimal viable sovereignty or virtue myself. So people are not just manipulating me here and there, right? And then once I got that done, you know, build a relationship with the daemon, your daemon, get some intimacy there so no one can separate the two of you. And then, and then explore all these topics, you know, like Raven just reached out to me. She says, Hey, what do you think of the, uh, the homeless situation or the prison situation? Right. I'm like, I care about that. You know, I'm concerned about that. Let's bring someone in at the store to talk about it. You know, I want, I, I want feminists, good faith feminists to come in. I want, um, people to talk about masculinity, reinventing masculinity or finding it again. Mm-hmm. These are all important issues. Every issue is important and not every issue is important, but like, you know what I mean? There's like so much fucking, there's a wealth of important issues out there where to begin. You know, mm-hmm. and why have a burden on yourself that like, you got to be perfect. That seems like it's coming from an ego place or, or like it's a wrong chess move or you're trying to be too perfect. Um, you know, forget that, you know, start right here, right now. What's the most, what's the, what's the best word can come out of my mouth? What's the most virtuous thing I can do knowing that you're not virtuous right now? Mm-hmm. I guess virtuous. anecdotally for me, it's just like, there are certain epiphanies that, burden me with decisions like you go to the grocery store and you know some of the or you can even imagine just the back end of what has happened to create the product that you are about to support or not support Mm -hmm. and it's like going through a modern supermarket right now is fucking difficult for me yeah man there's so many decisions and what you're saying is so true that it is, and the, the imagery of a Mandelbrot keeps coming. Are you familiar with a Mandelbrot? No. I, a Mandelbrot is, is a mathematical visualization that more accurately represents nature. It is like the fractals that you can just okay. zoom into and zoom in and zoom in. And it's just intricacy on intricacy and complexity on complexity on complexity. It never ends. Mm-hmm. And it's a mathematical... Uh, equation based on iterations and it just represents the reality that just the fucking rabbit hole never ends and the 
the I think that Ken Wilber's philosophy, like integral philosophy, from what I can tell, is like really one of the foundations that I'm working on and seems from where I sit, like one of the most important things in our time right now, like uh, omni consideration. Yeah, omni win. Yeah, a win, 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 win. Like, but that realization alone then makes the grocery store a difficult place to be. Yeah, man. It, it opens up your... It, it makes me take on extra cognitive bandwidth, right? And I do, I proxy that out to people. Like Daniel Schmachtenberger, my girlfriend is close friends with Daniel. And two years ago, we started dating and she was like, oh, you like philosophy? Here, have you ever heard of Ken Wilber? I was like, no, who's that? And she's like, here, here's my friend Daniel Schmachtenberger. And just like my, my, my mind exploded and my life changed. Like straight up, like to think of, like last night I had to apologize to Alicia because I recognized the ways in which my old philosophy was still binding her. She was still self-conscious about being judged by me for through my old philosophy. Daniel Schmachtenberger is absolutely a huge proxy for me, a huge proxy for me. And uh, listening to a 90 minute talk that he explains his thoughts on veganism is like pretty robust, right? Also, I come like, I grew up on a black Angus ranch, right? Like I have washed cows by hand a hundred days in a row that we have then eaten, right? Like I know what I, I can imagine what a good, sustainable, beautiful life of an animal is. And I can certainly consider consuming that. And I don't, I, I don't actually want to be a vegan. I want permaculture, polyculture, where these, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, man. That's, that's cool. And it seems like um, that's where you're called in a way to explore or, for sure. or to help out. I love out. food. I love to cook, man. I love food and I love to cook. Yeah. And, and I, want, I have a desire to learn from you in that area because like I know, and it's a felt sense, it's not that strong, but I know like, yeah, I got to get that shit handled sooner mm -hmm. than later. Um, and there's sort of a guilt coming online. Like I, my, my dad, <laughs> like basically my wife does makes all the food and she does this, I don't know, she orders something, it seems organic enough. Uh, and then I have like one meal a day and, and I'm a cookie slut and I eat cookies. So that's, that's kind of, and drink beer. So <laughs> that's basically my diet. Um, I, I don't put much thought into it, my thoughts elsewhere, but it's like, yeah, huh. now, now that you're talking about this, I want someone talk about this at the store. I want to address this issue, do some mm -hmm. sense making around it as a collective. Um, and I, I'm, I, and I appreciate, and I'm grateful that you're really drawn to it and you have thumos behind it because mm -hmm. we need people to have thumos become activated when they think about that issue and how fucked mm -hmm. up it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And just to share, my girlfriend is an Ayurvedic practitioner. Are you familiar with Ayurveda? No. Ayurveda is a sister science of yoga. It was developed in the Indian subcontinent like 5,000 years ago. And it's one of the first systems of science ever. And Ayurveda thinks is like, it's, it's the OG integral, man. It is the OG integral. It is literally every single thing is connected. Your thoughts and your body, your emotions and your digestion, everything is connected everything is connected. And when you have an ailment, there is both an emotional explanation for it. There is an acute explanation for it. There's a pathological explanation for it. 
And to treat anything, you can't treat one thing. You have to treat environment. You have to treat emotions. You have to treat thoughts. You have to treat practice. You have to treat diet. You have to treat exercise. All of these things. Yoga, as we know it, is basically one of eight arms of yoga. That's asana, which is doing the physical postures. That's like the physical connection. But yoga, as in a general sense, is becoming one with God, which is to become in right relationship with reality. It is absolutely that. It is why when we talk about that, I have my finger on the right relationship with reality. That term is as close as I can fucking come to like the bullseye right now. Like as far as I can tell, that's pretty much the bullseye for what I need to be doing and for what I think other people need to be doing. But Ayurveda has a very interesting way of thinking about diet. And I'm vastly um, undereducated in this. So I'm going to give an overview. But basically there are diets that you could have that would support you in enlightenment. And this is a sattvic diet. These are things that are not heating. These are, you don't eat onions. You don't eat garlic. You don't eat peppers. Um, you definitely don't eat any animal products. Um, and these are diets that allow you to sit in meditation that are calming for your mind. And mm. as Alicia came into my life two and a half years ago, I, before Alicia, I was married to a Mexican woman for a decade I've been to Mexico 25 times. I have, I can cook anything Mexican. I can cook all kinds of salsas, all kinds of shit. And I can eat re, I could eat really spicy food at the time. And she never, she never told me how to change my diet, but she did lead by example. I said, why do you eat like that? She says, oh, it's calming for my mind. And so as our combined kitchen, as we began to cohabitate our grocery list, just kind of integrated and the things that I only ate just kind of fell out the onions, the garlic, the peppers. And I noticed like, I was like, holy shit, like it doesn't upset my stomach. It doesn't upset my brain. And I literally felt a connection between the thoughts in my head and the food in my stomach. Mm. And so from an integral perspective, I don't know if you've read integral life practice. That's I did. I did. Yeah. it's so good man it's so fucking good it's just like it just kind of puts some dots on the side of this like space tube that we're going through that's like this is what an integral perspective might possibly look like if you're talking about what you should eat or what you should do or what time you should wake up or like anything and it's like and fuck my interview with terry Patton was just like life-changing like i will fucking love that guy I love that guy. He loves me. It's amazing. We had just brotherhood right off the bat. But this is, I think that what you said about like the proxy that Peter's head is full of myriad things. And my head is full of myriad things, man. And like, there are some things that have been in my head long enough that when you build up enough trust with me that you can just proxy out to me. Mm. Right. And that's an interesting point in friendship, in trust, in sense making. It's like 
relates to the sense-making conversation of how important it is to have like a high bandwidth relationship that you can actually proxy out things to people. As well as the personal burden of your relationship to virtue. Because like I said in, initially, like making your own mark, like if Peter tells, if you tell me that I shouldn't do something that I don't currently prioritize as important, the chance that I do it is very low. But like by making my own mark and by elevating my sense making that I realize that my decisions are very impactful for my own life, my friend's life, my partner's life, the, my community, the world, cosmos, this whole thing, right? It's like it, the backpack gets heavier. The backpack gets heavier. And I think that one of the most foundational things that Peterson just fucking the drum that Peterson bangs on is like, your backpack should be heavier. Your backpack should be heavier. You should have more responsibility. You should be able to consider more people's impact of your own thoughts, your own words, your own behavior. Totally. I'm a fucking Jordan Peterson fanatic. I love that guy. And I haven't yet killed him as my intellectual father. <laughs> I don't know if I told you this. I don't know. I don't know if Daniel told this to you too, but Jordan Peterson introduced me and Daniel together. Um, really? Yeah. Cause we were both uh, his client. Um, he was my therapist for two years. He was Daniel's therapist for a year or so. And then I was running a, a mastermind group, all men's mastermind group actually. And then Daniel was like dealing with acrasia, like kind of like procrastination issues and stuff. And then, so Peterson sent them to me and then, uh, we became like mastermind. He joined my mastermind group, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's how we met. Um, so yeah, we have, we have the Peterson connection as well. Um, and I, I, I love Peterson. Uh, I don't agree with him in every area and I have sort of, um, I would push back on his approach to an extent, but at the same time I wouldn't because that just would come out of ego mm -hmm. and he's been through fucking hell. Recently. Lately. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. you know, I just, I just want to shine love in his way. Mm, um, me too, man. That's what I, that's what I, I, I feel that too. I don't need to, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there's things I disagree with him on, but like, man, I really, his sense making is really super high up on my list. And I have just such gratitude for the, like, I have gratitude for Molyneux, for Schmachtenberger, for Hall, for all these people that, that I like can feel into their sense making deep enough that it like literally changes my life. It changes my mind. Oh, and I have just such a fucking gratitude for these kind of people. And I have a gratitude for you for the influence that you have on me too, Peter. Mm -hmm. Feels good hearing that. Um, and one thing, I'll, I'll say something about Peterson. I want to jump back to something he said. Like one thing about Peterson is like, he doesn't speak a dead language. You know, his words are alive. You feel mm -hmm. them. You don't like, so I, I have, a, I have a trouble. I have trouble like, concentrating on some of these galaxy brains when they talk because you don't feel their heart there's just every words feel the same and it's, mm -hmm. i just don't know uh and or, or if i have to really kind of like put on my hat on to focus <laughs> uh my focus hat right uh but peterson i never have to like put on my focus hat. i'm just like uh right because he's, he's like he's alive mm -hmm. uh he fused himself with the daemon totally um and uh yeah something else came alive there when you were talking but yeah it, it slipped my mind Tell me about the daemon. I mean, I like, I'm, I'm, 
there is such um, context in your writing that I never have to look anything up. I know what, I know what you mean, but I want to hear it from you. Like I want to hear the Peter definition of the Dhamma. Didn't, didn't we talk about this last uh, conversation? Like, I, I, I think I, I, I talked about it so much time. Like, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't talk about this fucking demon thing again. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's just like, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it in an innocent way, um, in a secular lens too. It's like um, just a certain quality of intuition mm-hmm. that feels really right, that dare I say feels delicious. And it doesn't provide any guarantees if you listen to it and if you follow it but it, it, it very confidently points in a certain direction mm-hmm. and it's not shy about pointing that direction. Mm-hmm. And that direction might be scary. Mm-hmm. It might be uncertain. Um, but if you follow it, uh, whether it's a good or bad, it's going to be an adventure. Um, so whatever that intuition is, that's what I dubbed the daemon. Mm-hmm. And then there's a historical, you know, like Socrates said, he, he just followed his daemon, you know, uh, and he, the only thing he knew is that he knew nothing. And if you know nothing, what do you do? How do you guide yourself by first principle reasoning? Uh, you know, just hand your keys over to the fucking daemon and see where it takes you and try to be truthful while you're doing it. Uh, and, and then being truthful in front of others. That's basically how I got my life right now in the last two months, especially. Um, so there's no sort of, sort of secret there. And, and the one thing that came online, the quote came to mind. I mentioned this quote in my journal, but it came to mind before, I was going to jump on with you, so I'll mention it. Is that um, uh, Deschardins, the guy who coined the noosphere, said this? He said that we're not human beings having an, a spiritual experience; we are spiritual beings having a human experience, right? And so it's a really kind of like trippy uh, thought experiment to flip. You know, my Peter just having access to the daemon, or is daemon the daemon having access to Peter? And then just become really uh, identify with the daemon and just really feel into that felt sense and just anthropomorphize it and be it and then it's like wow like this peter's kind of fun he's funny he's like this fucking crew he's horny all the time you know like he wants to make fart jokes then he can get serious like he's hungry you know like it's, it's like he wants to lick his wife every inch of her you know, it's like it's like like that's like so human right and i have all these blue collar desires too and they're just so human and then when you look at it from that spiritual lens as that spiritual being it's kind of like this is kind of fun you can appreciate it right? not this not judge it too mm-hmm. um so i I would, I would push back on Deschardins. I don't, I don't think we're, we're just spiritual beings. I also think we're human beings too. Like let's have that postmodern skill set where we both kind end. of flip back and forth. Both end. Yeah, I want to send you uh, love and appreciation your way too, man. I just really um, enjoy you. And just like the first conversation, like you got like, okay, who, uh, I didn't want to do any podcast at all. And I'm like, oh, fuck, you know? And I just called it out. Like, like I don't want to be here. And I could tell you got kind of annoyed. Like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> then it, and, then, and then we had a fucking amazing conversation. Like, I watched it like twice. And like, that was so fun. Mm-hmm. I posted on my channel. And I hope to post this one on my channel. Um, and uh, yeah, I just like, oh, okay, this guy's a brother. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, the I, I feel kinship with you already and i appreciate your you're my life i love your spiritual hype manness whatever that is about you i want to be your spiritual hype man you know i just I want to it. fucking let's just steal and, and seduce this culture man let's win this limit award let's fucking get it you know yeah you know this <clears throat> i appreciate that peter and the i actually on our first conversation when you were like i don't really want to be here 
it was almost like I, I actually kind of liked it. I can't, it was like almost a challenge. It was almost a yeah. challenge. And I was like, yeah, you just don't know what you're looking for. You're, or you, don't, you don't know what's about to happen. Yeah, 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 we're yeah, about, yeah, to, nice we're about to blow up. You don't know it. Yeah. Um, and then like eight minutes later, you're like, this is fucking sweet, dude. I'm so yeah. glad we're doing this. Um, I had a couple of actually people reached out and just reflected on that uh, dynamic, which I really appreciate. Mm. Just the truthfulness is like something that I'm just that's one of the things that I'm kind of looking up to you. And I'm like, as I just practice it on a basic level, I just see how, even though I was truthful with my feelings, there was like a game theoretical motivation. And it wasn't always earnest, even in the last like six months, even with my partner, I'm just mm-hmm. like, I've like, as we've gone through this last two month thing together, I've like had to apologize on a number of occasions. I'm like, I think that I was like, there was some game theoretical shit going on. And I'm still trying to cleanse that and still trying to repent. And um. and this is some tension with Daniel and I too. Um, and the way I look at it is, uh, are you familiar with Stephen Luke's uh, Three Faces of Power? Yeah, I mean, only because you talked about it the other day with David Fuller. Yeah, and that's, it up. that's why it's coming online, right? It's like that there's like the content level, what they call decision-making level. There's the... Uh, non-decision-making level or the agenda setting level or the frame. And then there's the ideology level. And then the one that people miss is the, the middle one, the agenda setting because whoever controls the agenda, the frame, not only just of a, like a meeting, right. But actually of a conversation, you know, like, uh, and people just unconsciously buy into frames. If someone becomes a dick and then like his ego and it disagrees in a very strong way, he's basically saying, Oh, we're playing this game right now. Mm-hmm. And then people just buy into that frame. Like, okay, That's I gotta, true. I gotta disagree. Right. But That's no, true. like if you're stoic and you have awareness of all these levels, you can kind of just step back a little bit. Like, yeah, let's do some meta communication here and call out why we're even having this conversation so we can make our intentions symmetrical. So they're not asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. Right. And sociopaths are really fucking good at manipulating these levels. Mm-hmm. They can play at all the levels. Um, and so why not have the same skill set, but use it for good, use it for virtue. Mm-hmm. And then when you're, when you, when you flex this truthfulness muscle, you can talk to each one of those levels. You can talk to the level of decision, content proposition. You can talk to the level of the, the meta frame, why we're here, the agenda. You can talk to the ideology of what influences the agenda. And if all those are up for grabs, you know, if you're up for grabs in all those areas, then some real interesting things can happen. Then you can yes and you can improv each one of those areas together. That's true dialogos. That's where true emergence happens. I love that. I feel like what you're referring to is just so like, I love it. And at the same time, I'm afraid that we're closer to fucking Mars than we are to that. What do you mean by that? Like the level of communication that you're referring to is so far out of the awareness of the 99.999% of humanity. And even as you describe it, I find myself in there that you're like, that I'm like that someone's a dick. And I instantly, I'm like, you just like change my frame and I mm-hmm. don't even recognize it in the time being. And like later on, I digest the conversation. I'm like, Oh, like I actually don't want to fight with you at all. I don't, I don't want to engage like that whatsoever, but like in the moment, it's like, yeah, it's difficult. Hijacked. I got, I I'm hijackable still. I I don't want to be, I'm hijackable still. And I don't want to be. Yeah. 
amygdala, um, amygdala hijacking, right? I know. Narcissists and sociopaths, they know how to uh, lean on the amygdala hijack. And, you know, if we, all the people, you know, the people that they, the, the marketers, the, the, you know, the, the, the architects of the capitalist society, everyone cartoonishly label it. Like, you know, a lot of them are sociopaths. It's like trickle down ethics there. You know what I mean? They just want to hijack you. Uh, and so they. And then they you. control the, the, the top level of that power and they can write what becomes just absolute conditioning that and, justifies and then, their authority. Right. And then if we want to go to the, I don't like using the word conspiracy anymore. Like I promised myself I won't use it because it's too, uh, too much baggage with it. I like the word parapolitics. Uh, <laughs> it's not my, it's, it's uh, I know. Pete, Peter Dale Scott, I think came up with it. Uh -huh. um, and it's, uh, it's basically the deep politics instead of public politics. Uh, and if you kind of look at the, you know, there's a criminal underworld, uh, and then they have certain rites of passages, certain ways to control. And there's also a criminal overworld too, uh, the mega rich, mm. you know, they have like the freaking ring of Gaijis. They can do whatever they want. Um, and what's a criminal overworld look like? That's when you start finding some signal in the noise of all this conspiracy theory stuff. And this is when it gets dangerous. Um, so we shouldn't talk about it. That's what I'm saying. Unless we have another beer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do think there's um, something to explore there. You're like, you're like, you just walk through like a very dry uh, grassland of my mind with a torch on the ground. And then you're like, let's not talk about it. And I'm like, <laughs> like fuck you, Peter. What are you going to do? Put this out? How are you going to put that out? You can't put that out. I just did. I just did. No, you didn't. You didn't. There's a couple things that you, that your, uh, your interview with David Fuller on the rebel wisdom was so fucking good, man. God, oh, thanks, that's man. so good. And there's a couple of things. And you know, today I wanted to introduce that new psychotechnology that I talked to you about, um, enthusiasm. Hmm. Oh yeah. 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 And it is so closely tied to that thing that you, you said we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't because there is a religious a religiosity to the claims being made about coronavirus. Mm -hmm. We're going to use it as an example. And to make a alternative narrative claim with a similar intensity is labeled as conspiracy. Right. And it's almost like it's almost like a level of intensity or a level of enthusiasm gets you that that sets off the the conspiracy radar i'm not sure i'm following is it is it like if you jump into the noosphere of social media with too much enthusiasm there's like okay this guy's uncontrollable he's too weird conspiracy or whatever label racist if you want to go that route just so they can mm -hmm. kind of throw you away is that is mm -hmm. that the idea yeah exactly what you were saying on the on that interview was you use the term we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't like right. to fight the institutional narrative with another narrative whether it is nuanced or not with a similar level of intensity that seems to garner some kind of religiosity in its premise the idea is thrown out regardless of the content. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I, I'm not sure I have a point here. I just, this is my reflection on what really set off a bomb in my mind of the connection between 
how believable a narrative is and its intensity, which is a dimension of uh, argument that I hadn't actually like tuned into, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I think yeah. is really interesting. And the trick is how can you be truthful, uh, develop a truthful narrative with the same level of intensity? Uh, and you know, the, I don't know if this is true, but I think I heard this, that the etymology of the word enthusiasm is uh, be possessed by a God, right? So when you're fully, or, and you know, the daemon uh, is, is basically God's messenger. That's the, mm -hmm. that's the, maybe the not so dirty secret. Um, if you want to look at it with that metaphysics and if you fully fuse yourself with the daemon, then, you know, you're a messenger of God or whatever spiritual, uh, metaphysics you want to use. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I really like enthusiasm because I, I fucking feel enthusiastic. Uh, you know, I feel you're enthusiastic. It's like, you need that enthusiasm to like be turned on right to to make love with the world properly um and, and to show make, up again yeah yeah it's not just a one-hit wonder here because right? we're gonna you're eat not, shit man i've crashed in every possible way you can crash on all kinds of different objects and it's like you got to have some enthusiasm to get back up and dust yourself off and jump again 100 percent. um and uh yeah with the the parapolitical stuff it's, this is this is where Alexander Bard. I don't know if you know him, but you should interview him. I think he'd be good for you guys to mix. Like watch the uh, when he came on the Stoa, um, uh, on the Stoa channel. So Alexander Bard, he's a he's a trickster, and he, he might do a series, a regular series at the Stoa called Tricksterology, and you gotta be a trickster. Uh, like me and Fuller called it playing chess with cancel culture, mm -hmm. but there's like a deeper level. Like embrace the archetype of being a trickster, uh, because if we're gonna steal the culture, a thief comes unannounced. He doesn't come in with guns a blazing, right? Um, so I think you got to be a little trickster here in order to uh, get something done. And I, I think you can do it authentically. And you can talk about how you're doing it too and still, and still do it. Um, and, and that's the, that's the I, I don't have a problem because Fuller wants to be, you know, he wants big, he wants to like make it accessible. Right now, I'm okay being obscure. I'm okay no one knowing what I'm talking about, but some people do. And it's sort of like finding the others at first and then building that tribe that brotherhood, that sisterhood of virtue, and then getting into communicast with each other. So it becomes unbreakable. So then the, the, the cult, you know, cannot uh, do amygdala hijacks on us, atomize us, and then do whatever the fuck they want, right? Mm. The, the age of boy kings are over. Mm. Uh, I, I'm just going to call it. So we're at the hour mark and I have to, I have to do a few things before the next uh, STOA session. Um, but oh yeah, I wanted to say this, man. Uh, if you want to do a session of the STOA, like like uh, enthusiasm or being a spiritual hype man, we can call that being a spiritual hype man. <laughs> it was just like, I don't care what you do, just just talk. <laughs> you know, like, fill everyone with thumos. <laughs> oh, and another thing I'll say too, is if, if, if you want to MC, um, you can do a post on your podcast too, if, if it's overlap, but if you want to MC a Stoa session where we talk about kind of uh, the ethical uh, aspects of diet, I would love for you to find some uh, uh, expert in that area and interview them in the Stoa. Mm. And you can do a post on your podcast if you'd like to. Mm. So that, so two, two, two Damon inspired ideas just came up and mm -hmm. I wanted to throw them at you. I'm going to be the MC at the Stoa for uh, Shane Ward or something. <laughs> okay. Do it. Dude. I mean, I think we could go like this until I'm blue in the face. Realistically, I got lots of things. I, um, realistically, I have this like funny visualization where uh, the world is like a rave that has all different stages and 
the government is like this suited guy with an earpiece and a sidearm very rigid and the religious guy is wearing a funny hat and a soft smile and there's this like kind of like broken down tent that peter's in front of rubbing his nipple in a way that's half joking and totally serious and inside you've got like steve beady got a has a group of people hyperventilating and tyson is on stage <laughs> freestyling and dude sarah nasa is a circle of everyone holding hands and it's like and you're the hype man outside the store bringing everyone in. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. Cool, man. Peter, another, thanks for your time. My pleasure, man. Another great conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad to come back another time. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your inspiration. I appreciate your truthfulness. It's something I look up to a lot. And I'm working on flexing that muscle and lifting heavy things and keeping a heavy backpack on my back so that I can fucking do my part here. Oh, oh, yeah. The one thing I wanted to say about that thing, right? It's like Ken Wilber's quote came to mind is, um, it hurts more, but it bothers you less. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's a burden for sure. It hurts more, but it kind of bothers you less, especially if you have good people like yourself around. Yeah. yeah. It hurts more to not cheat on your wife, but it bothers you way less. You're like, yeah. it hurts right in that moment. You're like, oh, like yeah. something I could have that I can't, that I'm not oh. going to have. Especially when you get more options, you get more options, you're more, you know, it's like, Oh, right. It's like, yeah, you know, it hurts, but it's like, you know, it doesn't really bother me that much because it's like, it's fun doing whatever I'm doing. I love it. Fucking brotherhood and virtue, my man. (laughs) Glad to be a part of it. Love you, Peter. Thanks, man. man. Love you too. See ya. All right, you guys, I hope you liked that as much as I did. Peter, thanks so much for coming on. Super appreciate you. If you guys think these are the conversations we should be having right now, consider donating to support this show. That's paypal.me slash airy in the air. Really appreciate all the donations. I've got so much good stuff coming up. Stay tuned, folks. I also got some monologue live streams that I'm going to drop on your head that I'd love for you to listen to. So stay tuned. Stay happy. Stay sane. Stay safe. We'll see you on the next episode. Love. See you.